morning, everyone. You're listening to America's Homegrown Veggie Show. My name is Kate Copsey, and I am the host of the show. You can contact me from my webpage, katecopsey.com, or through America's Web Radio Station site. This morning, we are going to talk to Miriam Goldberger, and we're going to talk about wildflowers to attract pollinators to the garden. Good morning, Miriam. Good morning, Kate. Yes, and you're up there in beautiful um, Ontario. Yes, Indeed, I am here in Ontario where we have very much snow. Uh, well, well, <laughs> I think we're getting a lot as well. But, uh, you are, you are. You're working hard to catch up. Oh, yes. <laughs> and I think down in Atlanta, they're having probably a worse time this winter than we are. But, uh, oh, indeed, and their coping skills for dealing yes. with, with snow are, are, are definitely not their strong suit. Uh, yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, um, let's start with a little of your background and when you started to get interested in wildflowers and start the farm? Well, in terms of my background, what happened was uh, I, I got into this. Uh, I mean, I grew up in, in, in a family outside of Manhattan that was steeped in the arts. And I've been, I spent a lot of time dancing and studying dance since my childhood. And then I ended up developing a prenatal fitness program for the Los Angeles YMCA, and then I, after that, I began Canada's first prenatal and postpartum fitness center. <laughs> uh, I started growing things from seed uh, when I was living in Toronto in the early 1980s, and I just fell in love with growing things from seed and the the process and the beauty of it, and I. I became obsessed with growing flowers, and one thing really quite led to another. Originally, we uh, were Canada's first pick-your-own-flower farm. We had a a beautiful uh, 100-acre property uh, just north of Toronto, and from there, uh, I really ended up stumbling into wildflowers uh, because they were extremely low-maintenance and really easy to take care of. And I had acres of pick-your-own-flower fields, and I needed some some gardens that were just for show in front of my little funky uh, barn shop that uh, would take care of themselves. And so I started researching wildflowers, and one thing really has led to another to the point where for the past, oh gosh, 18 to 20 years, we've been <laughs> focusing exclusively on wildflowers and are now... Uh, a leading supplier of wildflower seeds and meadow mixes all over North America. Oh, wow. That yeah. is wonderful. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. And, uh, you know, is there maybe a difference between what are called wildflowers versus native flowers? Is it just different terminology or are they basically the same thing? Well, there are a lot of terms floating around out there that people do find confusing. Uh, a wildflower, by my definition, first of all, is, is a plant that was here before European uh, settlement. Uh, it, it's a plant that's been growing here for thousands of years here in North America. A native plant generally has the same definition. On the other hand, there's lots of flowers growing in ditches and roadsides out there that aren't actually wildflowers. Those are plants that 
came from somewhere else and made themselves very much at home and have prospered here and 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 are growing all over the place and those are called naturalized plants or naturalized flowers and sometimes people think wildflowers are uh, what are actually heirloom flowers which are the beautiful old-fashioned uh, flowers that uh, our ancestors brought here when they came to North America and they may be very, very beautiful, but they're not actually native to here. They're native to somewhere else. Every flower is native to somewhere. Okay. Um, and I guess um, determining where some something is native to, um, I've heard a lot of different definitions, kind of re- either regionally, state-wise, um, or, or continent-wise. Um, and obviously, yes. something in in New York State is not going to survive and be native down in Arizona. But um, you know, well, actually, there are some really interesting overlaps. In general, of course, uh, uh, wildflowers and native grasses uh, have absolutely no recognition of political borders. That being said, regional issues will play a part, um, but most importantly is the type of soil, the amount of moisture, and the amount of sunlight uh, a given area has. Uh, and yet there are wildflowers that are uh, native to many parts of North America, um, and in fact, uh, on the Wildflower Farm website, we have this really cool, handy-dandy uh, uh, selection guide where you can simply put in the state that you have, and you can see a list of all the wildflowers and native grasses we carry that are native to exactly that state or province. And uh, then you cross-reference that with the conditions you've got at your place so that you can grow uh, plants that you will be successful with, that like the conditions where you live. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and I know we're going to go more into the, the pollinator issue in the next segment, but most mm-hmm. summer vegetables require a pollinator. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously they're not natives, most of them. Um, mm-hmm. But So will p- planting wildflowers or native flowers bring pollinators in general into the garden and help that situation? Oh, absolutely. In fact... The, the key piece of information as far as wildflowers goes in the service of an ecosystem service of pollination is to understand that, that wildflowers and all the pollinators and all of the, the creatures involved with the ecosystem in any given area have evolved for thousands of years together. They are, are chemically and, and synergistically and evolutionarily linked so that they are uh, by far the most efficient uh, pollinators and the wildflowers are exactly what those pollinators require in order to uh, survive and to continue their own species and therefore they will be able to pollinate the food we require as well. So so they don't, uh, when they come into the garden, they, they, they would be able to go to the native plants first and then head over to um, the squash and, on the, and the tomatoes as well, right? Um, it, it isn't necessarily in any particular order, 
But in fact, the native pollinators uh, and the European honeybees uh, do extraordinarily well with the wildflowers. And in fact, beyond doing well with them, uh, and then the wildflowers serving as excellent uh, food source for them, uh, they they are actually what's considered to be, and research is still taking place, likely to be the highest form of nutrition for uh, all the pollinators, in fact. So I, I guess when we're talking um, wildflowers, um, are we talking about annuals and perennials and biennials all thro- thrown in kind of across the, the hallmark of them? Well, in general, sure. Anything that's native uh, is considered a, a wildflower, uh, whether it's annual or perennial or a biennial, because those categories exist. If you are living in California or the United Kingdom, then the flowers that you consider wildflowers and are indeed wildflowers are not going to be perennial throughout the rest of North America, though they indeed are wildflowers. So it really just depends. Uh, But, of course, there are annual wildflowers and biennial as well as perennial. Okay. Um, And, you know, I I think um, of native flowers as being primarily understory plants and veggies are generally full sun so are there some natives or or wildflowers that enjoy the full sun particularly in the south um, versus a shady location oh absolutely there are hundreds and hundreds of types of wildflowers that perform extraordinarily well and indeed their natural uh growing uh, conditions are full sun uh just as an example, when you're looking at uh, uh, the Midwest of both the United States and Canada, uh, there were for thousands and thousands of years uh, thousands of acres of meadow or prairie uh, that existed, and those are all full-sun uh, plants, and there are many, many of them. Uh, and if you if you're looking, for example, at uh, the the south, uh, let's say for example uh, the state of Georgia, there are many full sun plants uh, as well as part shade plants. For example, uh, to give you some particulars, uh, wild columbine, uh, blue false indigo, white false indigo, the beautiful lance leaf, bright yellow lance leaf coreopsis. The, the shooting star or dodecathion, a lot of the coneflowers, um, joe pie weed. I could go on and on and on. There's lots and lots of full sun as well as part shade wildflowers. And I, I certainly think coneflowers and joe pie weed, I mean, those are just fabulous plants. Oh, um, yeah. One, one for the summer. And the joe pie weed is a little later in the season. So we do get, yeah. um, we do get po- pollinators or, or wildflowers that um, go across the whole of the, the, the spectrum as far as spring, summer, and, and fall, right? Yes, there are wildflowers uh, that are extremely easy to grow that bloom from springtime. Uh, right through through the through the time when frost comes in. Oh, absolutely. 
Oh, wow. And, that, and, and of course, the early pollinators, I always think as, of chives as being one of the earliest flower, flowers um, in a vegetable garden to attract pollinators, which to me is a great idea of growing chives anyway um mm-hmm. but but it's nice to know that there are um you know that we can actually get i mean you usually people think i suppose at the beginning of the year of things like daffodils and crocus um which of course aren't native um but there are other natives that can bloom around that very early time oh gosh yes and and that's one of the things that that i do cover uh in in my book is talking about uh, some of the beautiful spring wildflowers, uh, very unusual one, for example, called Golden Alexander, and uh, it's, it comes in around the same time that the, the last phase of the late-blooming tulips comes in. Oh, and it's wow. absolutely beautiful. It has yellow, lovely flowers that look like a cross between uh, uh, a golden yarrow and a Queen Anne's lace. Oh. And uh, it attracts um, all different types of bees and, and, and wasps and, and beetles and pollinators of all sorts. And, of course, another incredibly exquisite full sun plant is the pasque flower um, or uh, anemone patens. And that is superb for for spring blooming in the full sun, in the in the spring garden, or, or prairie smoke, the, the GM triflorum. That's, again, fantastic for pollinators. Bumblebees come in early on. Shooting stars are, are early in the season. Solomon seal, that's one for shade, or wild columbine for full sun. There's so many spring blooming one, one, That's and, wonderful. And, but, you know, you know, Miriam, we have to go for our first commercial break here. Um, but, but, everyone, we'll be back talking more about taming wildflowers with Miriam Goldberg. And when we come back, we'll talk about the pollinators and how to attract them by... Um, planting wildflowers to pollinate our veggies on America's homegrown veggies and we'll be back in just a moment. This is Michael Gano with Insight to Israel. Every day the Israeli Defense Force finds itself on the front line of the war with the militant arm of Islam. Surrounded by enemies from within and without, they fight for the only Jewish state. Military service is mandatory, ladies serving two years and men serving three right out of high school. While young people in other democracies are busy traveling or attending university, Israeli men and women gear up for basic training. In a world of heads of state, politicians, ambassadors, diplomats, and a leftist media, many times our voice at the grassroots level is drowned out. So we started an ongoing project called Hershey's for Heroes. Patriot conservatives from all over the U.S. are sending Hershey's chocolate bars with a note of thanks for defending Israel. Won't you join us by sending a sweet message to the IDF? For information, please see my Facebook page at Michael Gano. Thank you, God bless Patriot Conservatives, and God bless Israel in her struggle for sovereignty and security. Quick Stakes, that's Q-U-I-K Stakes, are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quickstake.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of Quick Stakes. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's Quick Stakes, Q-U-I-K Stakes, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Well, 
welcome back to America's Homegrown Veggie Show. Remember, you can catch up with us on Facebook at America's Homegrown Veggies. And if you miss any shows, you can find them on americaswebradio.com webpage. You can find them on iTunes and you can find them on Stitchers. This morning, we are talking with Miriam Goldberger, the author of Taming Wildflowers. And Miriam, we talked a little about, um, in general, about wildflowers and pollination. So let's talk um, a little more about um, the ones that go from from spring to summer to fall and the type of things that they will attract. Um, We we did a little bit on on spring in the last segment. So let's talk maybe a little about the summer ones or early summer through high summer when most of our summer veggies like tomatoes and peppers are are needing pollinators. Oh, absolutely. Uh, The the, the wonderful thing about wildflowers, aside from their enormous beauty, is is there they are a powerhouse of attraction to pollinators and it's my really really fervent wish that anyone who has a vegetable garden uh, or they're involved in a community garden or any type of gardening even a traditional flower border, border include some wildflowers in their border because it's so important to support the pollinators so that they they can uh, support the food web and all the food that we require as human beings. So let's get to the good stuff, talking about, for example, the, the black-eyed Susan family of plants, or the rudbeckias. There are many different types. Uh, the very long-blooming classic black-eyed Susan, or rudbeckia herta, has many different pollinators that find it appealing, huge list of them. And it blooms in the sun in the shade for long periods of time. Or later in the season, the sweet black-eyed Susan, or Rudbeckia subtomentosa. And uh, that is a very long-blooming, stable perennial plant that many different types of wildflowers enjoy. And in terms of the, the, the heart of the summer, oh gosh, the list is huge. That's, that's when you have an absolute symphony of wildflowers in bloom, everything from the classic, <clears throat> pardon me, bergamot or Monarda fistulosa, which attracts all different types of pollinators, the honeybees, the bumblebees, uh, lots and lots of different types of butterflies, or uh, for medium to moist soil, the beautiful blue vervain, which is lovely purple, spikes very elegant in the garden, and of course, cardinal flower, cardinal flower, the bright red, medium to moist, full center part shade, wildflower, just such a gorgeous, vivid red. Um, there are a lot of unusual wildflowers too, like the dotted mint, which has soft pink and cream colored, very elaborate structured blossoms. And that I use a lot in a full sun uh, scree or rock gardens. And it's fantastic for attracting the endangered carner butterfly, the blue carner butterfly, a lot of bumblebees, honeybees. I, I mean, I, I could easily go on and on. One of the neat things that I'm most proud of about uh, my my new book, Taming Wildflowers, is that not only do we talk about the wildflowers and how to grow them from seed, um, there are pictures of seedlings, so you can really see what the seedlings look like so you don't pull them out, and also talking about exactly which pollinators will come to each specific kind of wildflower or native grass. Um, and there's just a huge list of gorgeous wildflowers that are very, very garden-worthy and also make gorgeous cut flowers. 
And, and does it matter, for instance, with the um, Ruth Beckias, the black-eyed Susans, whether mm-hmm. it is a native one or one of the newer hybrids that uh, that come out, and, and coneflowers, of course, there's lots of hybrids of those. Mm-hmm. Um, do they have a, a less of a, um, a nutrient value and attract less pollinators? That is a really interesting question, Kate, because a lot of people really wonder about the nutritional value of a hybrid plant or a native R, uh, a cultivated plant of a, of a wildflower, these days called a native R, versus a true uh, wildflower. Uh, and the, you know what? The jury is still out on that. There are some very interesting research studies being done uh, in several different locations, for example, the University of Vermont is running a, a very careful study right now on exactly that issue. Oh, wow. So, mm-hmm. so, so people at this stage don't really know whether the two actually, or, or, you know, it's a bit like going to Burger King or McDonald's um, versus getting a proper meal. Um, for, well, I, for think, I think the way I think of it is, is this. I mean, I certainly studied that issue quite a bit, but though I am not a botanist my, myself, and I am not a scientist that studies the nutritional value of pollen. That being said, there is a lot of very interesting research, very, very current research uh, on the nutritional value of native human food, uh, various greens, uh, various native tomatoes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the nutritional value of those uh, native uh, human foods, vegetables, is much higher than hybrid or heirloom uh, plants, uh, you know, comparable plants. And, you know, you can certainly connect A to B and guess that it's extremely unlikely that if a wildflower uh, is looking to attract and perpetuate a species like um, a bumblebee, a, a native uh, pollinator, uh, to keep it going so that it can continue to live also, it's not likely to provide it with uh, a pollen or any nutrient of inferior quality. Why would it do that? I mean, why would you give someone who is taking care of you and helping you to keep living junk food. Well, that's You would want to make sure you give them the best quality so that this nice deal between the wildflowers and the pollinators so everybody benefits can keep going. Yeah, and, but, and, and that would make sense. Um, exactly. Yes. Um, yeah. On the other hand, I, I, I think it's really important that, that people include wildflowers in whatever kind of gardening they're doing, vegetable gardening, uh, traditional flower borders, um, any type of gardening in sun or shade. And I am not a purist myself. I grow lots and lots of different kinds of flowers. My point is these are gorgeous, 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 gorgeous garden-worthy plants and worthy of being included Okay. Um, and, you know, obviously getting butterflies and moths um, into a garden, particularly the butterflies, everybody loves the butterflies. Um, mm-hmm. What type of flower do, do they enjoy and, and help to pollinate? And on additional to obviously the butterfly, we need the, the caterpillar stage, which people always 
have a tendency to forget the caterpillar does produce the butterfly we like. Um, what type mm-hmm. of flowers are we going to use to attract those? Well, the most famous and celebrated wildflower for attracting, for example, the monarch butterfly is the, the milkweed family, the Asclepias family, A-S-C-L-E-P-I-A-S. And there, there's, a, there's a lot of plants in that family. Uh, the most famous and, and I think in many ways the most beautiful is the bright orange butterfly weed. And uh, all the Asclepias uh, are essential for all the different phases that uh, a monarch goes through, from the laying of eggs to the the caterpillar re- requiring the Asclepias or milkweed leaves in order to munch on, and then later, the uh, as an adult monarch, uh, the nectar uh, that is an essential. Uh, highly nutritious food for them when they they have to take that extremely long flight uh, to migrate either north or south. Yeah, and obviously um, integrating flowers into a garden, um, how close would it have to be? have to be to the garden i mean does a border around the outside of the vegetable garden um would that attract them or should we actually inter interplant with um, the beans and the the tomatoes have a few uh, wildflowers among them well i i think it's best to to integrate um because and, and in fact there have been some wonderful studies that prove that all the pollinators really prefer uh, random, non-monoculture uh, setup, so that if you can have a swath of beans and a swath of tomatoes and integrate it into that, a, a swath of, uh, for example, a beautiful pale purple coneflower, which is a lovely echinacea that blooms uh, midsummer, uh, earlier than the other echinaceas, uh, you know, that's a great idea, and there are so many different wildflowers for so many different phases, and you can just integrate them right into to whatever it is you're doing. And so they wouldn't compete for the nutrients in the soil, because typically we, we fertilize the vegetables, and to my knowledge, the wildflowers probably wouldn't need quite as much. They really need very little, if any, for the most part. I mean, like all plants, when you generalize... It, it, I mean, if you generalize about human beings, you're obviously not going to really get 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 the depth you need of an explanation of of each individual. Uh, but same with plants, um, there are a few wildflowers that love, or you know, a rich loamy soil uh, that the kind that vegetables love. But for the most part, they're perfectly fine on their own. So you can put your attention into into your vegetables and uh, fuss over them as much as you wish. And the wildflowers are fine on their own. They've been fine on their own for thousands of years. So, so they wouldn't object being next to and mixed in with, with a few tomatoes along the way? Oh, not at all. <laughs> I, I love doing mixed gardens where oh. I combine uh, wildflowers, uh, herbs, and vegetables into a single bed. And uh, 
it's a lovely look, and 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 as I said, the pollinators prefer it. Yeah, and they they've got, I guess, more on on their plate when they can look for for different things. But you know, we need to take another quick commercial break here. But I want to remind you that you're listening to America's Homegrown Veggies, and when we come back with Miriam Goldbergers, we're going to talk about the cultural side of these wildflowers. We will be right back. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200 or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. Quick Stakes. That's Q-U-I-K Stakes are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quickstake.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of quick stakes. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's quick stakes, Q-U-I-K stakes, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. This is Dr. Elena George with your health tip of the day. Did you know that allergy season in Georgia is year-round? Beginning in July through November, ragweed is the predominant pollen. But February through May, tree pollen causes allergy symptoms. Grass pollen occurs from mid-May through the beginning of July. If you suffer from daily nasal congestion, sneezing, runny nose, headache, ear clogging, or popping, or a chronic cough, these symptoms may be due to allergy and not infection. You should also think of allergies if there is no fever, chills, or colored mucus. Treatment should include nasal salt water sprays over the counter or antihistamines that do not cause drowsiness. If you have persistent headaches, a decrease in your sense of smell, or nosebleeds, you should see an ear, nose, and throat physician. Please join me on Wednesdays at 9 a.m. for Medicine on Call. This is Dr. Elena George. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. You're back listening to America's Homegrown Veggie Show. I am the host of the show, Kate Copsey, and this morning we are talking about wildflowers with Miriam Goldberger. Um, and Mir- Miriam, we talked a little about um, the flowers for all seasons and a, the sort of moths or, or bees that they produce. So let's talk about um, the cultural conditions of these. Um, most um, 
vegetables like sunny conditions and we've established there are some uh, wildflowers that like su- sunny conditions as well so um, are they gen- generally culturally um pretty much the same uh, we can stick them all into one bed um it doesn't really matter the an average ph and things like that well, it, it really does depend upon the plant, but there are so many wildflowers that would do fine in a vegetable bed, more than not, in fact. Um, there, I mean, there are going to be a few that, that are, are really rock garden plants that like super sharp drainage, uh, and then there are going to be some that, a few that like very dry conditions, but for the most part, there's a huge selection uh, I would say in the range of a uh, hundred or so if I'm going to generalize about the, of wildflowers that you can easily in, include in the vegetable garden and I, I'm, I'm thinking of putting some in uh, among my, my small trees that that I've got um, but one of the things that um, I, I guess I sometimes associate with wildflowers and particularly in my last home I had a real problem with self-seeding of different things to the extent that they become invasive in a a landscape. Um, Is that a problem with a a lot of these flowers if they're happy? Well it really (laughs) depends on the individual species. It's 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 as if you were you were generalizing about plants in general. If you if you said, well, you know, I I don't garden because um, everything that I've planted will self self sows and spreads all over the place. That's not true of wildflowers either. Many of them are extremely polite uh, members of the garden community, and they are are clump forming, uh, which is the term that horticulturists culturalists use for plants that do not spread uh, so lots of them will not will not spread uh, some of them do and it's simply a question of understanding which you prefer for the style of gardening that you have some of them will spread and make a lovely swath and if you've got the space that's great if you want the well-behaved uh, wild flowers there's there's a, a good goodly list of them and you can work with only those. And there are lots of wildflowers that work well in containers as well. Oh, really? So some yeah. some little small ones then? Um, because I, I, I say, I, I know in, in the last home we did have a little pro- problem with some, but um, how do we, uh, if, we, if we're growing, trying to encourage them into um, the garden, do we let nature put them in or is it better to go and buy mixes or, or specific plants and actually plant them purposely? Well, you know, that's, that's a style issue. Uh, I mean, that, that really depends on the type, aesthetic, aesthetically the type of garden you like to have. You can certainly have uh, a meadow-style garden uh, that is uh, intentionally random in its design, or you can use wildflowers in a very formal manner. But to answer your question, uh, wildflowers are not difficult to grow from seed. That is, again, one of the, 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 the featuring elements in my new book, Taming Wildflowers, where I talk about how to grow wildflowers and native grasses from seed successfully. And it's not difficult at all, in fact. And um, that most of the time, when you find uh, commercially available wildflower meadow mixes, um, they tend to include many, many species that actually are not uh, native and are invasive. 
uh, and will not function as perennials. I like to focus on the approach of do it once and do it right. And that is the, the approach uh, that we use at the Wildflower Farm, and, and, and we uh, work with our customers and educate everyone so that it's easy to grow the wildflowers from seed, and you can then decide if you want to grow them uh, in a meadow context with meadow mixes, or you can grow them in pots, uh, uh, either in the refrigerator, uh, and let... Uh, you fool nature into thinking that the, the, the seeds have gone through winter, or you can uh, uh, put them outside if you live in a cold climate and uh, let nature do the work right outside as it would naturally uh, in the, the cycles of nature. So, so mo- most of these, you, you, w- you wouldn't take them indoors to, um, to, to grow them. You'd, you'd just kind of put them out outdoor doors where, where you want the, the seed and maybe plant in the fall, particularly in the milder southern areas? There are a lot of, of, of ways that you can grow wildflowers from seed, a lot of different options. You can, uh, you can simply uh, seed them outside, and you, it is a little more complex than simply uh, uh, dancing around and throwing seeds to and fro. You do need to prepare the site. You do need to make sure that the seed is covered. You know, there, is, there are some specifics. Um, but you can also grow them in pots uh, and let them winter outside, or you can uh, grow them uh, you know, in a greenhouse environment. There are many different ways that you can grow wildflowers from seed. So, so it's just a matter, really, of finding the ones that, that you would enjoy to put into the garden. Um, for instance, so I've, I've got um, right in front of me, and I don't know where I picked this up. It's a northeast garden wildflower seed mix um, that has flat forget-me-nots and other long-time northeast favorites. That's not something, then, that I, I should be using, right? With all due respect, <laughs> there are a lot of what I like to call bogus mixes out there that really uh, are, set, are 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 appealing to the romantic part in all of in all of we gardeners uh and though that is not something that is going to succeed uh even the first year you grow it it might but it's very unlikely and then it's just a bunch of annuals that do not have have a the ability to survive winters here it's not for real there are a lot of mixes out there that are that are in big bags or cans you know that are regionally based and most of the time they are simply almost marketing exercises really rather than 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 a a, a sensible way to create a wildflower garden or meadow so so you you bet you're better off going to a reputed um site to to get the the seed rather than the big box store garden center absolutely <laughs> absolutely yeah i mean it it the 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 focus of wildflowers is something that uh, is a specialty. It's not a difficult way to garden. It's just different. And, and so when we're maybe outdoors um, and we're, we're, we don't obviously want to eradicate the natives, but some of them have lookalikes that are invasive, um, how do we tell the difference between the two so we save the right one? 
Are you talking about seedlings or mature yes. plants? Well, see, seedlings and, and indeed into the main plant. For instance, um, the two roses. Uh, one, there's one that, that was a native and one that wasn't. Um, mm-hmm. t- telling the difference between the, the, these two, uh, which one's which? Mm-hmm. Well, as far as the seedlings go... Uh, I'll start with that, since that's in chronological order, since we start with seedlings and then they mature into plants. is, is um, That's something that's been a real struggle, I think, for, for people who like to grow wildflowers, is understanding and seeing clearly what the, the baby plant, the seedling, looks like. And I have put pictures of, of the seedlings of these wildflowers, uh, 60 of them, in, into my book. As far as uh, an and a mature plant goes, uh, most of the time you can see, uh, you know, again, based on my book or in other books, what, what the mature native plant looks like versus a hybridized plant or an invasive alien uh, weed that is aggressive. And, and so there's a distinct difference between the two. They are definitive ways of being able to tell when something's coming up, if it is a true uh, native plant. Uh, yes. Usually you can identify through uh, the, the seedling uh, what it is uh, that you're looking at, whether you're looking at what is a weed or a plant you do not wish to have in that spot or something that you, you wish to nurture and and so so if you if you i guess if you if you get your book um you'd be able to tell um which one which one was which because that's something that traditionally i mean i i will typically um if i've got a guest in the garden as i call them i let them yes. go go a season until i can actually identify them and figure out whether i want to get rid of them or not if they haven't done anything definitive by july 4th they're out of there <laughs> exactly so it, it, it does provide a, a really convenient shortcut because uh, I do include 60 of the uh, top uh, wildflowers and native grasses, the picture of the, the seedlings and what they look like, as well as the mature flower in bloom. Yes. Yes. And, you know, and I, I know I think um, New Jersey has a, a site that actually shows uh, two different plants. One's the native and one, one is um, the lookalike, mm-hmm. as they call it, uh, because there are mm-hmm. some, some invasives that are very close to um, mm-hmm. as, as as I say, the, the rose is one that, um, you know, there's an invasive rose, which I believe is white and prickly and a very, very pretty pink, which is more of a native. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so there are lookalikes, which is a bit of a shame. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, but, but so, so each, um, each different state, I, I would imagine, has um, a listing um, of, of what is native. Is it fairly easy to find what should be in the garden um, if, if you allow it to grow? Is, is that knowledge out, out there on the internet pretty easily? Yes, yes. Uh, more and more you're, you're finding really, really excellent resources on, uh, on alien plants, uh, both on a national, uh, a regional, and a, a state and, and provincial level. Definitely something that, uh, that there are there are people who are really passionate about making sure to have that education out there.
Yes, and I, I know Japanese knotweed, which is my uh, personal uh, irritant oh, in, yeah. in, the, in this garden. And I'm hoping mm-hmm. that by eradicating that, I should be getting a few natives fi- finding their feet in there. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, Absolutely. I'm, yeah, that, that, that is my, my wish. But, um, you know, <laughs> we, we, can, we can but hope. Um, but, you know, we need to take our final commercial break here. Um, but come back, everyone, and listen to more about wildflowers with Miriam Goldberg. And we'll talk about... Um, um, the new book she's got out, which is uh, Taming Wildflowers, Bringing the Beauty and Splendor of Nature's Bloom into Your Backyard. We will be right back. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. This is Dr. Susan Blank, Medical Director for the Atlanta Healing Center. Our team is able to offer a multitude of treatment options, such as quantitative EEG, also known as brain mapping, hormonal and nutritional assessments, neuropsychological testing, and cognitive therapy, along with traditional 12-step facilitation. And we can even offer you, if appropriate, a gentle medically managed detox. Please contact us at 770-696-9862. Hello, I'm Ray Bowman. And I'm really looking forward to our new show, Food and Farm, brought to you every Friday at noon on America's Web Radio by FeedstuffsFoodLink.com. This is America's WebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. you're enjoying America's homegrown veggie show this morning we have been talking about taming wildflowers bringing the beauty and splendor of nature's blooms into your own backyard with author Miriam Goldberg and Miriam where can we find the book is it on the market right now Uh, I believe it will be in the stores and uh, online within the next week or so uh, it is available through uh, the TamingWildflowers.com uh, site, and uh, so you can you can purchase it directly that way. And then starting, I think, next week, as I said, uh, it's going to be available in all the uh, traditional venues, yes. Like, like Amazon and all those online. Amazon.com, yes, yeah. exactly, <laughs> yeah. and others. Yeah. And and the, the book and, and your, your website as well um, have mm-hmm. some beautiful images on it did you do the photography yourself for the book i did kate yes i did oh i mean that they, they are just stunning pictures um and you know i, I think so, somebody may, mentioned that you know they were going they like flowers but they were actually going to buy the book because it was beautiful to look at the pictures Yes. Well, the thing is, the wildflowers are so enormously beautiful. And uh, when I first started uh, learning about the wildflowers 20, 25 years ago, I, I was surprised and stunned that more people weren't familiar with these gorgeous plants, these extraordinarily garden-worthy and cut flower-worthy plants. They're, they're absolutely stunning. So, so you talk about how to bring them in, into the house, into arrangements and things like that as well? Yes, yes. I talk uh, plant by plant with the 60 that I featured about which ones make great cut flowers, how long they last in the vase, which ones make good 
everlasting or dried flowers as well. And then uh, I've got a really fun feature in the book as well talking about creating your own DIY wildflower wedding as well as wildflower uh, arrangements that you bring into the house. So uh, enormous fun putting it together with a number of brides. And, oh, uh, nice. Yeah, so, so you get to see the different types of styles of bouquets and boutonnieres and table arrangements that you can make with wildflowers. And 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 the the books, uh, the, the ones that you use in, in, in the book um, for, for your... Your sixty odd. Um, mm-hmm. Can they be grown pretty much throughout? Uh, because you're in Canada, can they be grown pretty much throughout the the continent uh, on both sides of the border? Oh, absolutely. And in fact, plant by plant, species by species, I do review exactly which uh, where each plant is native to. But these are these are for the most part all plants that you can grow. Uh, wherever it is you live in North America. And and uh, on your site, do you actually sell um, the plants and the plant mixes and things like that? Uh, yes, on the wildflowerfarm.com website, you will see uh, uh, over uh, 100 different wildflower and native grass seeds that you can purchase uh, from as small a quantity as a packet up to large quantities. And then we also specialize in meadow mixes so that uh, you can grow wildflowers uh, and create a, a meadow, either large or small, uh, of in, in, in an area that is, for example, horrendously impacted with clay or sandy soil or moist soil. There are many different meadow mixes that we have on there that are site-specific. And then a number of years ago, um, just so you know what what else is there, uh, we developed a low-maintenance turf grass called Eco Lawn, and that is a lawn that you mow uh, just once a month or less. You can grow it in the sun, you can grow it in the shade, under pine trees as well, and it's quick to germinate but slow to grow, so you're only mowing once a month, and that's pretty amazing. It's very drought-tolerant, and it really goes with our whole approach of uh, low maintenance and sustainability, and that's why we developed it, because, gosh, you know, we needed to have a lawn out there that really was uh, contributing to uh, a sustainable environment, and that's what Eco Lawn does. And, and I think particularly if you've got large areas, um, it's, it's fun to have a few flowers included in it. I also noticed that you do um, something called a moss milkshake, um, yes. and, and moss obviously grows uh, particularly around trees in, in shady areas. So what, what mm-hmm. exactly is the milkshake part? Well, the milkshake is basically uh, a nice, speedy way to uh, create moss uh, in a shady area on your property. It's a, it's dehydrated, and when you simply add water and create this slurry, uh, and then pour it on in any shape uh, uh, that you'd like onto a rock or a shaded uh, piece of ground, uh, or you can even, uh, I like to, to, uh, to kind of paint with it and, and make words and all different kinds of things, but you can work with it any way you want, and it's, it's very easy. It's basically uh, uh, a simple way to have moss on your property. Um, and are, these, are all these things available on both sides of the border? You can ship them to America? 
We have warehouses in several different locations in the United States, so there are no cross-border issues with anything that we offer. Oh, okay. Um, and, you know, say, I, I, I think, think and, you know, when, when, uh, when it comes to uh, wildflowers particularly, um, they're, they're so, they are so attractive, uh, but people tend to forget them because they get obsessed with peonies and roses and all those other pretty or equally pretty flowers. Absolutely, absolutely. But there, there's a whole palette of beautiful wildflowers, which are, as I said, enormously garden-worthy to include in whatever type of gardening one is doing, whether it is a vegetable garden, a community garden, a traditional flower border, any type of gardening. Uh, I, I, I think just you know, purely for aesthetic reasons, wildflowers are tremendous to include. And then when you factor in the um, the ecosystem uh, necessity of including wildflowers and to support the pollinators, and the and the fact that that the wildflowers will um, provide uh, an efficient pollinator pollination system and that the native pollinators uh, do such a great job and that the the European honeybees love the wildflowers too. So you kind of can't go wrong. Yeah, and and I think just getting insects and things into the garden is fun. Um, and, And do you do any talks and presentations and things like that? I do. I talk all over North America. I will be at the upcoming Philadelphia Flower Show, uh, and I think I'm speaking on Sunday, March 2nd, in the afternoon there. I'm doing two talks, one on on wildflower gardening and container gardening and eco-lawn, and another on organic uh, lawn care. And then I'm also speaking in Chicago later in the month at the Chicago Flower and Garden Show as well. Oh, wow. And are these mm-hmm. talks and things are on your website so people can check out yes, where, where you there's are? there's an entire schedule uh, of all of these talks and events and workshops uh, on the TamingWildflowers.com website. Okay, so that's different um, to the WildflowerFarm.com, uh, Wildflowers. Yeah, uh, okay. that's correct, but they are connected. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Um, and what about um, social media and things? Um, do you oh, have gosh, a fa- Facebook I'm, page and Twitter and that type oh, heck, of thing? Yes, I'm, I'm everywhere. <laughs> I, I have I have a Miriam Goldberger on Facebook uh, site. There is a Taming Wildflowers website. We have uh, a Facebook page. We have a uh, Wildflower Farm Facebook page. There's also an Eco Lawn Facebook page. My Twitter handle and my Instagram handle is Miriam M I R I A M. Wild FLR, so Miriam Wild FLR. Oh, Miriam Wildflowers. <laughs> yeah, basically, it's the shortened version. <laughs> Wild FLR, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, and, and if people were maybe on the the Facebook page, particularly the Taming Wildflowers, um, obviously you put beautiful pictures on there. Can they ask questions and interact with you on that? Oh, absolutely. I I am. Always checking and interacting with people, uh, and people ask lots and lots of questions uh, on the Wildflower Farm site. Uh, people email us questions as well. People ask me questions on Twitter, uh, I and and even on Instagram. And 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 I really love interacting with people as as much as possible. 
Yeah, and you know, and I think think when when people in, inter, interact, it it is, and wildflowers are, you know, they're, they're such a fun topic. Uh, but it, but it's interesting in the, uh, since, since really the beginning of this year, I think we have um, we've had about three or four people that talk about that integrating the landscape. Um, no longer mm-hmm. should you have the veggie garden there, the herb garden there, the flower garden there, the lawn here. Um, everything should be integrated for a healthier landscape o- overall. Exactly. Exactly. It really makes a lot more sense. Uh, this, this, this human compulsion to separate out and control everything to such a high degree is really not good for uh, the pollinators. It's not good for the way all of the entire ecosystem works best. And so uh, also the aesthetics of of combining these things is something that I, I deal with in, in the, the book. Uh, I, I talk quite a bit about different types of gardens, uh, combining uh, all the wildflowers, the herbs, uh, the vegetables, uh, uh, and uh, I love having a, a traditional uh, cutting garden as well, and, and I combine uh, the, the vegetables and, and the wildflowers into that as well. And so, so where can people, if people go maybe to Amazon or something like that, can they see any of the images um, or would they be better to go onto the Facebook page or do you have a blog? Uh, there is a blog that, that's going to be uh, relaunched uh, within the next uh, month or so. Um, there are lots of images uh, that uh, you can find throughout Facebook. We're, we're just about to put up lots of images on the TamingWildflowers.com web, website. So, and I'm constantly posting, even on my own personal uh, uh, Facebook page. Basically, my life is completely integrated with all the different social media platforms, and I I love sharing uh, pictures and knowledge and. Uh, all the different types of projects that I'm working on at any one time. Oh, I'm on Pinterest too. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot on Pinterest as well. Um, I'm 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 out there sharing my passion for wildflowers and oh. uh, and, and yeah. flowers. And I I think it's wonderful. I mean, just the the image on the the, the front cover of Taming Wildflowers, the 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 field of echinaceas. But you know, we're about at the end of the show, Miriam. But thank you so much for uh, sharing your love of these beautiful flowers. It's been a great talk. Oh, Kate, thank you so much. I'm really delighted to speak with you. Okay. Okay, so we're right at the end of the show. Um, I want to thank everyone for listening to America's Homegrown Veggie Show this morning. Thank you, Miriam. You've been a great guest. Um, Everyone, we'll be back next week with another show talking all about growing veggies. Have a good gardening week, everyone, and join me back here next Saturday. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.